0: What's up, LifePoint Church? How y'all doing today? Come on. What a great day to be in church together. Such an honor to be with you today, and welcome to LifePoint. Uh, so thankful for all of you. My name is Mike. I get to serve here as lead pastor, and want to say, again, like we heard earlier this morning, welcome to all of our first-time guests. If you would text, again, that letters, the letter's LPC to 31996. We want to connect with you. And I want to take a moment, look at the camera, and say welcome to all of our locations. We have multiple video services happening as part of our church today. One at our Rossview campus, one at our Austin P State University campus. It's such a privilege to be with all of you guys at Austin Peay State University today, as well as the East Valley Dream Center in Chandler, Arizona. And everyone who joins us online, we want to say a big welcome to you. Point, can we give it up for our whole church family? We're one church many places, and we've also got folks listening and watching on demand through our podcast. It's just a, a privilege to be with you this week. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of your week. And I'm really excited about Baptism Sunday today. Uh, like we heard earlier if you've not been baptized in water as a follower of Jesus that is the next step for you we are always encouraging people to take next steps and take steps forward in our devotion to the Lord maybe that step is joining a small group or hosting a small group maybe that steps water baptism and as we've been talking about for the last couple weeks uh, some of us I, I think all of us need to ask the Lord what's the next step in the area of generosity and so let me just tell you you guys are doing such a great job already but I'm always thinking there's room for us to grow. And just, just knowing the stats of our church, there are people that we're, we're ready for you to take that step as well. We're a church that believes in tithing. We, we bring the first 10th portion to the Lord. And we, we practice that as a corporation, like as a, as a church body, but we start, it starts in the families, it starts with you. And so your tithing and giving is making a difference, not just here, uh, keeping our church running, but also in our city, our region and beyond. And I've challenged you for the rest of this year, 2021, cont- consider taking one step, In this area of generosity if you've never given to the lord uh, by giving to his church become a giver just figure out a way to do that look for opportunities to give you can give online through the app in the mail however and honestly that is such an exciting first step or take the step of becoming a regular giver put it in your budget plan for it every month make it a part of your plans to give to the lord and this is god's plan that we return to the lord generously and there's offerings all throughout the bible there's stories about generosity and giving and all that uh, but, but honestly, we want to also continue to take steps forward in this area of tithing. And I, I'll never forget as a pastor of this church, when I took over 11 years ago, we were so far behind financially. The idea of giving money as a church was so foreign. But I had a missionary challenge me. He said, man, one of the ways you can move the needle in generosity is be a generous leader, be a generous pastor, and, and be generous to others and I said, man, we were so far behind financially, we could even pay our bills. Like, we, I was afraid of not being able to pay the, the utility bill. And he said, I know it doesn't make sense. Our CFO calls it God math. It doesn't make sense. But when you let the Lord get involved in your generosity and let the Lord get involved in finances, man, he comes through. And so we have this amazing story. We had this soccer club approach us wanting to rent our property. And we were about $5,000 behind per month on just making payroll, bills, all that kind of stuff and uh, out of any cash reserves that we had saved up. And the soccer club calls us saying name your price to rent the field out in the front of our Rossview campus. And the board, of course, was really excited. They were like, well, here's our deficit, here's our price. You know, it's gonna be the same number. And I went and met with the president or, or the head of coaching for the soccer club and standing out in the front field, she said, you just name your price, we've got money on our board, dentists and doctors and lawyers and the soccer club, you know. And I said, well, if you'll mow the grass, you can have it for free. And I said, take the deal before I tell my board what I just did, (laughs) because they were saying, charge them what we need, you know, in the deficit. I said, if you'll cut the grass, you can just use it. I said, the field's sitting here anyway. And her eyes get really big. She's like, how can I get a contract? I said, shake my hand. I promise you, I'll never break my word, you know. And so, uh, the next month, we had a financial turnaround more than what we were in the hole the month before. It was like $4,500 behind, and all of a sudden, we had a $5,000 turnaround the next month, and our church has never been behind ever again financially i'm just telling you this is the way god works this is the way god works so i it doesn't make sense and i remember telling my board and they were like you did what they were mad one guy in particular was like we sent you out there to make a deal with these people and i was like man god sent me out there to be generous i don't know what to tell you but i'm telling you like as we trust god in this stuff and maybe that's been your hang-up you just struggled with trusting god or seeing how it's all going to work i do think it's smart to be on a budget i think it's smart to tell your money where to go but i think it's faith to be generous and so I'm challenging everybody, take a step forward in this area of your faith. Some people have found creative ways to give, by the way. We've had people giving cars and stocks and furniture and nice clothes, you know, not just the stuff that has been eaten up by moths anymore. I'm talking like being generous and donating the good stuff. We've had multiple vehicles. That, that's actually a creative way to bless families. Just last month, we were able to give a single mom with five kids a vehicle an SUV and man, she came up to the church and we surprised her. It was your generosity that did it. You guys did that as a church. She came up to the church and we had a meeting with her, right? And you know, she she was just totally caught off guard. We walked out to this vehicle and we said, somebody gave this through the church and now we get to give it to you. No strings attached, you don't owe us anything. Man, you talk about a tearful day that was. Come on somebody, isn't it great to be generous? Isn't it fun to be givers? Come on, yes, thank you six people. All right, well, whatever. Hey, turn with me to Acts chapter six. We are back in the book of Acts series. What a blessing it is to get back into the book of Acts. And we started this series back on Easter Sunday and we just took a break for six weeks to go through the parables of Jesus and take that break. And man, what a great series that has proven to be challenging and transformative for us. Uh, But but we're back in the book of Acts and this is our long kind of play that we're running right now. We started this on Easter Sunday of 2021. And I just believe reading, learning through the book of Acts, we're going to see the way God's first church, like how they launched into theological living and Christ-centered living and spirit-led living. And uh, the, the book of Acts is considered in the, in the literature of the Bible, it's an historical narrative. So it's not a, an epistle, a, a church letter from a pastor, it's a, it's a narrative of the history of the early church. But from this, we learn how God's people were responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit to reaching people far from God, how they responded to persecution, and they were even open to persecution if that had to happen. And today we're going to see uh, when pain enters into the story. How many of you know anything that grows creates stress, right? And so we're seeing this growing church now in Acts chapter six, and. Jesus launched the church in one of the craziest cultures ever in a difficult season, a time of political and social turmoil, and I'm encouraged by the book of Acts because I feel like that's the world we're living in again, which really we've been living in ever since, but but I think if God would plant the first church in crazy days, I think God will revive our church in crazy days as well. Can I hear an amen, everybody? So today we're in Acts chapter 6, and it's the very first time we see the pain that comes with church growth, the challenges that come with reaching new people for Jesus and reaching people far from God and not a part of the church, people who were not part of the original 12 disciples or that original crowd of a few thousand in Jerusalem. Now the church is growing beyond its original borders or its original walls, so to speak. And uh, this is a challenging message for church folks, I think in particular, because Christians have a reputation of kind of liking it their certain way. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. Christians like the way they like their church. They like their comfort. They, they typically sit in the same seats. They typically go to the same service time. They kind of follow the same rhythms. They want to know if their preacher isn't coming today so they can skip. You know, like all these kind of things. Not you guys, other services. But if we're going to be a growing church, which how many of you know, lost people still matter to us, and reaching people far from God matters to us a lot, then we have to innovate ways of how to reach people, and it's painful. In fact, I've heard it said it like this. Um, Oh, I've titled the message, The Growing Pains of a Healthy Church. Uh, I I get to coach some of this stuff with other pastors that are asking about church growth and how we've seen growth in our church and what does that that come with? Well, pain, that's one of the things it comes with. I've heard it said, uh, growth requires change. I mean, if you remember when you were becoming a teenager, right, and you wanted to get bigger and you wanted to grow and be tall, well, it requires change, new clothes, bigger bed. That was my story. I outgrew twin bed. Anyway, bigger shoes. My feet kept growing. Every time I'd get new shoes, I needed new ones in three months. My daughters are going through that phase right now. Growth requires change. Well, change requires pain. How I many of you know to change everything? Like just the change of something exciting, like moving. You go build a house and you're going to move. How I many of you know that's painful to pack up your old, old house and then patch all the walls that you just overlooked for the last 20 years, and there's just pain that is associated with change. And doing new things is costly, and doing new things requires some pain. Well, if growth requires change and change requires pain, then guess what? Growth equals pain. How many of you hate pain, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm 6'6", and I remember in my teenage years, I went through growth spurts, right? And I went through growing pains, that's what the doctors would call it. And of course, they're always, like, you're, you're in serious pain, and the doctor's like, it's normal, it's pain, you'll get over it, and you just want to, you know, kick him in the shin. One of the pains that I went through as a teenager was with my knees. I had this condition, I guess, it's called osgood Slaughter's, I don't know if you ever, it's a tall man syndrome, come on, my man, right here, you know what I'm talking about? If you're short, you've never felt the pain of this, you know what I'm saying, you don't even know the struggle, but essentially, your legs grow faster than your knees, and the the, Combining joints right below your kneecap, it creates this bump out on your knee, and super tender, you can't squat down. I was a catcher in baseball and a first baseman. It was terrible, I hated it. Constant pain, and the doctors would just sh- slough it off, like I'm looking for morphine drip or anything, you know what I'm saying? I was just constantly in pain. And they're going, it's growing pains, so you'll get over it. But in order to grow, my body had to change. In order to change, that produced pain, produced pain. And so growth equals pain. Now here's the thing I know. Every pastor I coach and every church I talk to says, we want to reach people far from God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. But we just don't like the pain side. If I were to tell you, we want to be the biggest church that we've ever been, we want to see more people say, we want to start new campuses and and grow new services and reach people far from God, everybody would say amen until it costs your seat or until we start a, well, you guys are the the exceptional crowd because we said, we're going to do a 730 service. And only you guys, you're like gluttons for Sunday morning punishment. You're like, yes. But the rest of our church was like, I ain't doing that. But growth will produce pain. It, it'll be painful when people who don't look like you and who didn't grow up in the church like you start coming, which is our goal for growth. But then it changes the way we're allocating resources and how we staff the thing and, and what we do with, with money that you've donated and you've given to the Lord and we spend it in ways that you don't approve of, but it's because we're reaching people that have never been reached before and you get frustrated. I just have been working with church people a long time. So I want to tell you, those pains are normal, but if we want the result of reaching people far from God, we have to embrace the pain of change. By the way, this is good for business leaders. You guys need to know this. Teach this to your team. I mean, you think about when, you, when you're a startup company, right, and then you grow beyond your capacity to run the shop all the time. you got to hire people. Well, that's new personalities and perspectives, and that's change. And then they'll have opinions and ways of doing things that are not like yours. And you got to decide, are we going to grow through that change or not and endure the pain in order to grow and to scale our organization? It's true with your family. How many of you remember getting married? How fun that was. How many of you remember having babies? How fun that was. Making them too, right? I mean, how fun, how fun the process is. How many of you remember raising babies? That's painful. You remember asking the Lord, "Why did you give me these children?" You know, like there's a couple times where you just ask, you know, and it's not because you want to get rid of them; you just want to break. You know what I'm saying? All right. Anyway, so let's move on, because my kids are in the room. All right, uh, I'm gonna read Acts chapter six. I love my kids, for real. Um, Acts six. Uh, we're picking up where we left off, and so far we've watched the church kind of blossom as this really organic, relational thing, and. They're dedicated to one another and they're sharing everything together. And man, God's moving, and thousands of people are getting saved. Thousands of people are giving their lives to Jesus. And then we see in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in numbers, a complaint arose. The first complaint in the church, Acts chapter 6, verse 1. A complaint by the Hellenists, which we're going to talk about, arose against the Hebrews or the original Jewish converted Christians, right? Particularly the disciples. Uh, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. We'll talk about that. And the 12 disciples summoned the full number of disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, you pick out from among yourselves seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we have to, or we will, devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose... Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Pumba and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and the apostles prayed and laid hands on them, obviously sending them into the ministry of distributing to the, the widows. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests, the Jewish priests, became obedient to the faith. Lord, would you challenge us through this word as as you've done it in the book of Acts Church. I pray that you would do it in us. Help us to see the goodness in this system, in this process, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, growing pains are a sign of health. Growing pains are a sign of health. How many of you would rather be going through growing pains than death pains, right? Growing pains are a sign of health. And, And when a church is growing, this is, this is, My world, like I live in this world all the time. When a church is growing, it will produce challenges. And that's good. That's a good sign. Because it means God is entrusting this church with people that are far from him that are coming. And here's what's happening. Watch what happened in verse one. In the days when the disciples were increasing. So there's growth. The disciples are increasing. If you go back the last five chapters, thousands of people are coming to faith in Jesus. But then this complaint arises. How many of you know you got new people in your house, new people in your neighborhood, new people on the job, new people in your church, it's not going to take long before they don't like the way y'all always did it. Or it's not going to take long before someone feels overlooked or not cared for or not heard. So this is the first time we have church complaints. You ever been in a church with a suggestion box in the lobby? Yeah, we're never going to do that, by the way. We have an email address for that. It's called Randy at firstbaptistclarksville.com. That's not their email address anyway. A complaint by the Hellenists. Now, the Hellenists are this group of converts to Jesus. They were probably Jewish by birth, but they were Greek people. They were like, they'd embraced Greek culture. And specifically, they were Greek speakers. So the the Jews of the day are Aramaic and and Jewish Hebrew speakers. They would have known Greek as well. but, But for the most part... Uh, The Christians so far, Acts 1 through 5, were Jewish converts to Jesus, right? But now the church is growing. And so far in Acts, there was commonality among the Christians. They shared all things in common, right? If you remember in Acts chapter 2 and Acts 4, they devoted resources to each other. They shared finances. They served one another completely without complaint. They prayed and worshiped every day in the temple. They devoted each other financially, even to the point they sold their possessions, shared all their money and assets. Now the church is growing beyond that kind of organic Jerusalem-centric Jewish converted church. And they're going beyond Jerusalem growth and the disciples were increasing, the followers of Jesus increasing in number, which is great, which means the church is growing, which means new people are coming to faith in Christ, which is the goal. Jesus didn't come to establish a new country club with his picture on the wall. He came to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth and that we would see people far from God coming to Christ. So new people are becoming Christians, getting saved, But now this group, named the Hellenists, they're they're seen as outsiders. On the front end, they're our target, right? Like, we want to reach them. But now that they're in, they're complaining, which is an interesting dynamic. They're complaining because their needs aren't being met as the other people's needs are being met. So these outsiders, these non-Jewish or Hebrew-speaking Jewish converts are coming to faith. These are Greek speakers. They've embraced Greek lifestyle. Pagan uh, traditions, probably. They're outsiders from outside of Jerusalem scattered among the Gentiles. And this is why this matters. If you go back to Acts chapter one, Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem, you'll receive my spirit, and then you will be my witnesses first in Jerusalem. Now watch. Then he said, and then Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. So this message is meant to go beyond Jerusalem. And as soon as it does, it creates stress. This message is supposed to be reaching people far from God beyond our comfortable walls of Jerusalem. So it's working and it's happening, but with that happening comes growth and with that growth comes pain. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying so far? So the gospel would reach those people first in Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, and ultimately the ends of the earth. It's reaching people, it's working. And now in the working of reaching people, the leaders had to lead the people. So how many of you know it's exciting to reach people far from God? How many of you know it's exciting to reach people who are not like us, amen? How many of you know it's always great to celebrate reaching people until they take your seats and until their kids fill up a classroom and your kid doesn't have room anymore and and they take your resource and they crowd you out of your prime seat and spot in the church. The Hellenists were the outsiders and they're being reached by the gospel, praise God, but their growth puts pressure on the ministry to minister to them, to care for them, to serve them, and all of a sudden, They were being celebrated for being reached, but now there's a complaint because they're not being served. You all see the difference? We celebrate them being reached, but the complaint is that they're not being well served. The Hellenists say to the Hebrews or the Jewish Christians, the leaders really, they they complain because their widows, which we know from the teaching of Jesus and James, like caring for widows and orphans is part of following Christ, but they were being neglected in this daily distribution. So in the first century, for a woman to be widowed, She was very often uh, seen as destitute and left for poverty, but the the church was like, no, 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 we're gonna care for the widows. We're gonna care for them. If they don't have family to care for them, we are gonna care for them. So they would have daily feeding and daily distribution. Now they're complaining, not in a like critical, we hate this place, we're gonna leave and go find another church. They're just going, hey guys, you're overlooking us. And probably feeling a little bit of racial tension or social stress because they are the outside group that's now come in going, we still feel like our widows should be cared for, and it's stressing people out. By the way, uh, I want to tell you what, what they celebrated for reaching, and now they're stressing about serving. This is one of the challenges of modern churches today. I mean, I, I've never met a pastor anywhere that didn't want to reach people, but I've met a ton of pastors and leaders who don't want to serve the people that they're reaching, or they don't want to change their structure, their strategy, or their system to serve people that they're reaching, it, because it's, it's painful, right? It's uncomfortable. But I believe with all my heart that these types of growing pains are a sign of health. It's a sign of God's blessing on our church, and we get to redesign our playbook to reach more people. We will never apologize for trying as a church to reach more people for Jesus. You can amen me at any time. We will always never settle in an old ministry playbook because we're just afraid of change or afraid of reaching more people. That's why we launch more campuses, start more services, serve on more dream teams, grow our online campus, spend money to reach more people. This is a great problem to get to deal with. I ask God, I'm just gonna tell you, I ask God all the time to grow his church and stretch us. It's a blessing. So here's what the leaders did in verse two. So the 12 disciples summoned the full number of the disciples. They had a church meeting, first church meeting. Can you believe it? It It's probably on a Sunday night at five o'clock with a potluck, you know what I'm saying? They summoned the full number of the disciples and here's what they said. This is an interesting lead-in to this whole situation. They didn't start with, hey, here's the complaint, and here's what we're going to do to eliminate the complaint. They dealt with the the reality of structure. They said it's not right that we, the leaders, the disciples, the apostles, should give up preaching the word of God to go serve tables because the complaint came against them. Hey, preacher, you're not meeting our needs. And They didn't respond with, oh, my goodness, I don't want to offend you. I don't want to hurt you. They recognized the responsibility that they had as spiritual leaders of preaching the word. They were the friends of Jesus. They knew him personally. and They just acknowledged "Go, It's not right for us to give up what only we can do to serve tables for these people. What they didn't say is, we're not going to serve the widows anymore. For the first time in the New Testament now, they're creating structure and order for the church. By the way, this is why your church needs to have structure and order. We learned this from the book of Acts. Watch. These were the group of 12 disciples under Jesus. Now they're the apostolic fathers of this church movement. They communicated with everyone. They didn't take a poll. They didn't do like a, uh, you know, congregational vote. They led and said, here's what needs to happen. Previously, these 12 um, the apostles were overly involved in handling all the ministry, the day-to-day, the distribution, the fundraising, the baptizing, the overseeing communion, just doing the ministry activity. It was this startup enterprise called the early church. But now they're realizing that the growth they're experiencing will require them to do what only they can do well. It's the same problem Moses had in the book of Exodus. If you remember, Israel had grown so large, Moses is trying to care for everybody, and finally, his father-in-law, Jethro, has to pull him aside for a meeting and go, Hey, man, you need to raise up leaders and let other people help you with this stuff. Because Moses was just burning himself at both ends, right? So now this startup enterprise called the early church is growing, and they realize that the growth will require them to do what only they do well as the leaders, They weren't unwilling to serve tables. Here's what you gotta understand. They weren't unwilling to do it because they've been proving that for five chapters. They weren't unwilling to feed the widows, unwilling to lead in communion, unwilling to fundraise, but they needed a system that, that allowed them to serve the church well, and they needed to raise up leaders to help serve other people, and that would allow them to focus on their primary responsibility as pastors and apostles and leaders to study the word, to preach, to prayer, to be the leaders of the church. Now, this could sound harsh if you're used to your pastor doing everything. Man, it used to be the badge of honor to have a pastor who did everything. My pastor was amazing. He could plumb the toilets. He could change a light bulb. He could preach a fiery sermon. He'd show up at every hospital visit and every birthday party and every baseball game. He was everywhere and did everything. That's not a badge of honor. It's actually a sign of poor leadership. I'm just going to tell you from a humble position. Like... When we started here, I did everything. I knew because we didn't have a choice. We didn't have any money, didn't have any staff. Then we started right away raising up volunteer leaders. But I remember unlocking every door in this building. I remember turning on it and off every light, making sure the bills were paid. I remember doing all that stuff, but as we grew, there had to be a point where we realized I need to do what only I can do and others need to do what others can do. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? It could sound harsh if you're from a church where you're used to the pastor or the preacher doing all the ministry. The problem is it's not healthy for him or his family or your pastor and her family or his family, and it's actually not good for us as the church. See, they said it. It's a sign of healthy growth. We're reaching more people that the pastors and leaders shouldn't be doing all the serving roles, but they need to focus on preaching and communicating God's word. That's true for us. As we continue to grow, as we continue to reach more people, listen, It's important that we are always making room for people. I I love an auditorium that's half full because to me, that shows there's room for more people, that we keep serving others, that we ensure that we're all serving in our right place in our church. Again, as a pastor, I remember overseeing and being responsible for everything. But there comes a point where I have to realize it's not right that I neglect my responsibilities as the visionary, as the preacher of the word, And that I'm, I'm busy doing things that others in our church need to be doing. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? So, so how do we respond? What do we do? He goes on and he says, as we grow, we got to change as we grow. And listen, we're in a growth season. Again, we have to change. So watch what happens. The apostles give directive. They don't take a poll. They don't ask for a vote. It's part of what I love about this, this section. Therefore, brothers, you pick out from among you seven people. Now, this was obviously a very male-centric culture at the time, so don't get caught up on the gender exclusivity here to say that women can never serve, because that's just bogus. But at the time, it was very much a male-centered culture here, and f- specifically for this role of handing out to widows, I don't know why, they just said, pick out seven men with good reputation, full of the Spirit, and who are wise. Don't you think those are good qualities of leaders? Hello? Good reputation. Good reputation. Let's pick out the people who are warm-bodied and show up but are jerks, thieves, and, like, don't even believe in Jesus. We ain't going to do that. He says, pick out seven leaders with good reputation, full of the spirit, full of wisdom. And we, the leaders, said, we, you pick them out. We will appoint them to this duty. I love the interaction with the church, with the congregation, to say, you guys know the people around here. And I think part of it is they're saying there's so many thousands of people. We don't know everybody. So you help us out. You help identify. By the way, this is why we have a Next Steps class. It's designed to help pick you out as men and women full of wisdom and favor and good reputation. Somebody say amen. This is an amazing directive from the Apostle, and it's what we do as well. Our Next Steps class is designed to help get you connected to your gifts, your abilities, to find your sweet spot of serving others. The Apostles basically are starting the first dream team. All the dream teamers say amen. Come on, this is good. The apostles are starting the first serve team, first dream team. They needed a food distribution dream team. You know, we got a coffee team, we got a worship team, we got a production team, we got an APSU setup team, we got an East Valley Dream Center takedown team, we got a Kid Point team. They had a widow's food distribution team. They got T-shirts made, they got the whole thing, a little L in a block, it was awesome. They took time to let the church know the vision and gave clear direction. Can I tell you something? Most churches struggle with this. And pastors struggle with this because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to ask you to do anything that you're not comfortable with. I totally do. I want you to be uncomfortable. I want you to grow. I want you to find your sweet spot. And I definitely want you to serve God by serving others. It's part of God's will for your life. Most churches struggle with this, especially in America. We tend to be more consumer Christians. We either take from others. We let others do all the work. We show up to church at our time, at our seat, and we expect the pastor and the staff and other people to show up early to set the table for us so that we can come and consume. In fact, most churches have accepted the Pareto principle. You guys familiar with the Pareto principle? It's this old principle that suggests that 80% of consequences come out of 20% of causes. The other way of saying that is 20% of people do 80% of the work. It's true at your job. I mean, you think right now, if you got 100 employees, 20 of them are crushing it. Right? In your family, you got a family of 10, two of them are the ones that always host Thanksgiving. It's 20% do most of the work. And unfortunately, it's true in the church, and I think it's because we're culturally wired for this. But can I tell you something? We belong to another culture. We belong to the kingdom of heaven, where every one of you has a gift, every one of you are a part of the body of Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, Chapters 12, 13, and 14, as he's talking about spiritual gifts, he says every member of the body is set in a place for a reason. You are not set in this church just to take. You are set in this church to be a part of this body, to serve, to contribute, to be a part of it. Man, don't get me fired up now. That's so early. I'm going to preach good, though. But listen, just because it's what others do doesn't mean it's what we should do. The Pareto principle is not a biblical principle. It's a worldly principle. The biblical principle is every one of you is a ten at something. Every one of you is a gift to your church. If you belong here, you're a gift here. You go, oh, I'm, I'm, I've been serving God for all these years. I'm going to let all these young whippersnappers do all the serving. That's a terrible attitude. You're still a gift. And it may be that you lead a small group or disciple new believers or host Alpha or get involved in Rooted. Maybe you're gonna be a door greeter or a baby rocker or a student ministry, come on, leader. That's the future of our church. Amen. Maybe you're gonna be on the preaching team one day. Maybe you're gonna serve as a board member, give, be a legacy giver. You don't know, we wanna help you discover your gift, but the truth is this is just, they didn't do seven leaders for the whole church. This is seven people for one dream team. They didn't even talk about the worship team and the parking lot team, parking camels all over the place. They didn't talk about any of these other teams. But here's the principle. Spiritual leaders have a responsibility to spiritual leadership. Christians have a responsibility to the work of ministry. And that's, that's a message for us today because let me tell you the real hard stats of Life Point Church. You ready? 19% of our sixth grade and up church members, 19% serve on a dream team in a given month. We are a Pareto principal church, not a Bible principle church when it comes to serving. 19% we are Pareto principal people. And I'm not saying this to shame you or to judge you. I'm saying this to call you forward, to say you are a gift here. Let's create dream teams around the gifts that you bring to the table. I don't even know the teams that we'll have one day because you show up and say, here's how God's wired me. Some of you may have a gift of hot air balloon rides for kids. And we had never, that's a dangerous insurance proposition. (laughs) Oh Lord, what did I just do? I don't know what your gifts are, your passions are, but there's a reason God's planted you in this church. And if this is the church you call home, I'm asking you to consider what's the gift God brought us when he brought you here. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? We all belong to God. We all have gifts to offer. And at 19% of our church serving, that is not healthy. About 30% of our adults or students are involved in small groups. Now, the good connection is half of the folks in our small groups serve on dream teams. So where we're winning is in small group participants also serve on teams. I'm, I'm not saying this to browbeat anybody or to judge anybody. I'm telling you as your shepherd, as your pastor, there's a better way of doing life in this banquet called the Christian experience. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? You want to have a better church? Serve it. You want to have a better church? Don't, don't just wait on your pastor to stop being offensive. I'll always be offensive. Are you kidding me? Don't just be mad that it's a video service. No, 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 no. those things don't matter. The, you're the gift to this church. As LifePoint grows, there's no way that I or our staff can or should do everything. Every one of you has attended something, and part of growing is all of us participating in the serving of others. So I want to celebrate and challenge you. I want to celebrate those who are serving, praise God. Hey look, if you're serving on a drink team, we just celebrate you right now. Can we give it up for those that are serving? <laughs> praise the Lord, praise the Lord, we celebrate that. Now here's the challenge, it's for all the rest of you. The challenge is, take the step. Start serving before now and the end of the year, get on a team, serve in your local church. By the way, it'll make you a better servant outside of your church too. The goal is to teach you this here so that you can do it well there. The goal is not to just build a big service factory here at LifePoint Church. We wanna help you become a servant-hearted person so that you become a servant-hearted person all the time. But my challenge is if you've taken a break, break's over, and if you're not on a team, you're not serving your church somehow, let's go. Move forward, it's not right, let me tell you something. It's not right that you expect the pastors and the staff to do everything for you to just receive ministry. It's just not right. I love you. I didn't write the Bible, by the way. I didn't say those words first. It is not right. I didn't say that first. I'm just preaching the word. Then he goes on in verse four. He says, but we will devote ourselves. This is the apostles, probably, probably Pastor Peter, saying we need to devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. I mean, I hope you're thankful that I'm committed to preaching the Bible here for you. But I'm going to tell you something, if we don't have enough kid point workers, I'm not going to be here one Sunday. I'm going to be in the three-year-old room. You know what I'm saying? Like, now all of you will be like, no, 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 don't do that. That's where it's not right because I'm flowing in my gift here. I'm flowing in my gift and my calling, my assignment as the pastor and the leader and the, the preacher. But it, I'll tell you one of the easiest ways to get me distracted is get me some, some hole in our leadership system, and I'll go fill it, but it'll be at the cost of me being where I'm gifted. Are you all hearing what I'm saying today? And, and, and what they said, look at this. And when they heard this, the crowd, they were pleased by this. They're like, you know what? That makes sense. And I hope that it pleases you to hear that you're a gift to this body and that I want to flow in my gift. My role as pastor must stay committed to the vision and leadership and to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Can I tell you, I'm actually really not very good at this. There's not much in this church that I'm not willing to do, I promise you. But there's only a few things that only I can do or should do. I'm actually not good at this. I, I love to be distracted by people. <laughs> I love to be distracted by business. My assistant and I have been talking about, and she won't fix it. My calendar uh, constantly gets overrun with stuff that distracts me from dedicating to prayer and to scripture and to preaching. I need to do better at saying no to things that others can and should be doing. Hospital visits are your problem. Caring for the poor and the widow and the orphan, that's, that's for you guys to do. That's Paul Paul talks about it like this in Ephesians 4, the job of the pastor and the ministry is to equip saints to do the work of ministry. And if you think I need to do every funeral and baptize every kid, every person, and dedicate every baby, then we're not tracking the same way here. My job is to teach, to pastor, and to equip you through our team to do the work of ministry. Are y'all hearing that? And, And this is where your gifts get to shine, where you become this great shining gift to the body of Christ. I'm being challenged by this. It's not just a message for you. It's a message for me to become a more disciplined man of prayer and my schedule to be more disciplined and to be more focused on the word as I need to be. Because as much as this is a challenge for you guys, it's a challenge to me to hear it as well, to focus on my assignment as well. But as we keep growing, we all have to change. I mean, if you know growth requires change and change is painful. So then they selected Stephen, a man full of faith, who actually dies in a chapter. So it's a bummer, but you know... (laughs) Uh, he, he dies as a martyr. It's a powerful ver- uh, story. He's a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Tamon, Parmenus, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and then the apostles laid hands and prayed for them. So that's what we want to do with Next Steps. We want to help you discover your gifts, and we want to pray over you and employ you into service of others, whether it's serving on a dream team on, in this campus, at our, next, at our Austin P campus, serving with YAPAC, hosting small groups, whatever it is. We wanna bless you and pray over you and lay hands on you. By the way, I want you to notice all of these people they selected, they're all Greek names. Isn't it interesting that the people full of the Spirit, full of good reputation and willingness were the outsiders that they've reached? It wasn't just get the best insiders that have been here from the beginning. It's let's employ the outsiders that have now come into the faith Let's raise them up to be ministers with us. You might be brand new to this church and we've got a class for you and a place for you to serve in your gifts. Isn't that great? I just think that's so brilliant. One of our pastors brought that up in our sermon meeting and I thought that was so great. All right, so I gotta finish the sermon. So health plus growth plus change equals change lives. This is where we're going. Remember what I said at the beginning. Growth requires change, change requires pain. So Growth requires pain, right? Well, health plus growth plus change, all of this stuff will bring us changed Life So healthy structure and systems, right? Where, where the spiritual leadership's working in their flow, where people are ministering in their gifts and their abilities, all of that is healthy. Then it will grow the church, God will bring growth, and it'll bring outsiders in, and they'll start serving, and they'll start taking up room, and they'll start giving their lives to Jesus, and that will produce change, and all of this will bring changed lives. So watch what happens. They, they put this leadership place and structure. They empower new people to serve in the ministry of the dream team of feeding widows in, in, in the distribution. And then it says, and then the word of God continued to increase. Some people are afraid, if we let all these people come in here, it's gonna change our church for the better, I promise. It's gonna change our church for the better. The word of God continued to increase. God didn't slow down his mission. He's actually like applauding that going, way to go, that's that's what I want from you. They continued to increase. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And look at this, even a great many of the priests, the hardest-hearted people were the, the Jewish priests of the day. If you've not read the gospels, you're gonna see over and over again the priests of the day hated this Christian thing, hated this Jesus tribe, and now even the priests are becoming obedient to the gospel. This is the result of a healthy church who's on mission and who is serving correctly. The word of God will go forward. People will continue to come and give their lives to Jesus. Your pastor and your leaders will be flowing in their gift and their assignment. We will all be flowing in our gifts and assignment. People will start getting saved, people will get discipled, developed, and even the hardest-hearted people will go, that's a place I wanna be a part of. That group is different. Man, they're all flowing in their gifts. They're so joyful. They're, how many of you know it's a joy to serve where you're gifted, right? And it will be an open door for people, even with the hardest hearts, to come to Jesus. You know why? Because the church is meant to be the organization to represent God's kingdom to this world. And I'm telling you, God takes busted up, flawed, hypocritical people just like me to serve in his kingdom. And I'm telling you, that's one of the most inviting parts of this whole thing, that God uses normal people like us to change the world. So now what? Here's where I leave. Are y'all getting anything out of this text? Okay, good. Are you going to go to next steps? Yeah, it's like medium commitment. Uh, I better pray about it. Do you really need to pray about it after hearing this? That's my least favorite churchy response. Hey, would you you come serve on a team? You know, let me pray about it. You have to pray about obeying God. So now what? I wanna challenge you. First challenge is will you embrace this word today? Like will you allow the church in the book of Acts to serve as a model for us when it comes to serving and stewarding our individual gifts well? And what if we would just believe that God would model our church this way? I mean, could you imagine that verse seven describing LifePoint and the word continued to increase at Life Point Church and the number of disciples in Clarksville and Phoenix and downtown Clarksville and Hopkinsville and all over just continued to multiply greatly. And even the hardest hearted people that were far from God, pagans, people that worshiped other gods, gave their lives to Jesus. What if we believe that God would model our church this way? Where the leaders lead and pastors pastor and we're able to commit to prayer and vision and ministry of the word. And what if we collectively commit to serving in our gifts, serving our part, getting on the team where God has gifted us and doing our part so that his word will continue to increase and so that many will come to know the Lord. So listen, if you've not done this already, here's your simple next step, write this down. Attend our next steps class. At every location, this is for you. This is a way for us to identify you to lay hands on you, to pray for you, to see your gifts and to employ you into the work of ministry. And maybe you'll be on a widow's distribution team. Maybe you'll partner with us, with YAPAC to help serve the poor and the afflicted. Maybe you'll rock a baby. Maybe we'll discover that you're a shredder guitar player. Maybe you're gonna find yourself actually called to like vocational ministry and you're gonna leave a career to come serve God by serving in his church on a staff. Who knows? Man, would you go to our next steps class? It's available online. It's available at all of our locations. Do it today. Don't, you don't have to pray about this. You just need to obey about this. And then go through our class. It's designed to help with identifying your gifts and getting you plugged in. And then if you've taken a break from serving or you've never served on a team, it's time to take that step. This is part of God's design. We see it in the early church that people serve others. If you've taken a break, your break's over. But if you've never gotten on a team, listen, our security and first responders teams have need. Our student ministry and KidPoint has need. Our teams, since COVID, every church I know of, their teams have struggled and people are saying, people have come back to the church but not come back to their teams and serving. And I'm telling you, that time for that's over, man. New people are coming to this church and we need a full robust team serving as hosting and ushers and greeters in every, every area. If you've never been on a dream team, join us. Don't complete the class and not complete getting on a team. This is God's design. I didn't write the Bible. I didn't create the church. This is the way God designed it for us to do this together. Can you hear an amen, everybody? Let me pray for us, and I will dismiss every location, every campus at the end of this prayer. Lord, we love you and honor you. We are thankful for this word. We're thankful, Lord God, that you're teaching us through the teaching of the book of Acts, that, God, you are teaching us how to love you and how to serve you, how to live for you, how to, how to be this body of Christ that you've called us to be. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that this Acts chapter six message would move us forward, would compel us forward in Jesus' name. God, if any of us have struggled with serving or we've just been hard-hearted about this, I pray that you would soften our heart right now through the preaching of your word by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that, Lord, you would draw us forward to find our gifts, to find our place of serving. Say, Lord, here I am, use me to the glory of God. Lord, it may be as simple as being a greeter twice a Sunday or, or, or God, as, as simple as preaching a sermon for student ministry one week. I don't know what it is, God. It's simple when it's gifted, when it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord God, that you would motivate us towards the mission of God, to be a church on mission, to reach people who are far from you, to serve people as they come. And we'll give you all the glory and honor for it. Can everybody pray this with me and mean it from the bottom of your heart? Come on, say, God, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for my sins and raised from the dead so that I can live for him for the rest of my life. And I say, God, I'm all in. You can have my talents, my abilities, my hands, my schedule, my whole life in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, to God be the glory. Amen, everybody. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise today.